Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Aggie Wagon Podcast, a place for New Mexico State men's basketball skeptics, fanatics, doubters, and really anyone who likes basketball. I'm your host, Stephen Wagner. Let's shoot the breeze. I'm feeling good on a Wednesday, baby, because we are back with another episode of the Aggie Wagon Podcast, and yes, we are dropping it on a Wednesday, and no, it is not an accident because NMSU's game against Washington State tonight is its only game against a Power 6 opponent this regular season, and we wanted to make sure that we got something up for what is going to be undoubtedly the Aggies' biggest test of the year so far because Washington State is a really good team and Kyle Smith is a really good coach with a new contract that keeps him in Pullman through 2026-27, and the Cougars are by far the highest-ranked team by Ken Palm that NMSU will face probably until the NCAA tournament if they qualify. But real quick, I want to recap with a few quick hits on the Aggies' recent action. So NMSU is currently on the fourth and final game of a four-game road trip. The Aggies beat rivals UTEP in El El Paso and New Mexico at the pit. And then Saturday night, they knocked off Loyola Marymount 63-58 in Los Angeles in what Chris Jans called the first true road test of the season and one of the ugliest basketball games that I have ever watched. NMSU had 26 turnovers and 24 personal fouls, and the game finished with 40 combined turnovers and 45 combined personal fouls between the two teams. But sometimes it's better to win ugly than lose pretty, and that's certainly what the Aggies did Saturday. NMSU is now on a three-game winning streak and is undefeated in road contests going into Pullman, with its only two losses coming to Utah State in the Myrtle Beach Invitational and against New Mexico in Las Cruces. NMSU is 2-1 all-time against Washington State, and so is Chris Jans. The series began after Jans arrived in Las Cruces, and the Aggies' only loss in the series came in Kyle Smith's first year at Washington State. NMSU lost 63-54 the last time the schools met in 2019, but the Cougars have definitely taken some steps forward since then, and in late September, Kyle Smith was rewarded with a two-year extension to his original six-year contract to keep him in Pullman through spring 2027. Washington State has been in a rebuild effectively since 2012, and Smith has pieced together three straight seasons of 500 or better, which is the first time the Cougars have had that level of success in nearly a decade. Washington State is 7-3 and could very easily be 10-0 if it hadn't been upset by Eastern Washington in South Dakota State, and earlier in the season, they held Arizona State to 29 points in a 51-29 beatdown. But now that we've got the news out of the way, I want to turn my attention to Wednesday's game itself. And I want to start with this. So looking at NMSU and Washington State, there are some obvious differences within the programs in both their philosophies and their styles of play. NMSU wants to win with rebounding and defense and by out-physicaling their opponents, and Washington State wants to win with analytics. Obviously, they want to win by being physical and being tough as well, and they definitely are. They're a top 50 rebounding team, but Kyle Smith does have a reputation for playing, quote, nerd ball. And I want to read you a paragraph from an article by Kevin Dana on Pac-12.com that was published about two months ago. Smith's nerd ball, which focuses on analytics and is seen as a money ball approach to college basketball, is working. Defensively, the Cougars were second in opponent field goal percentage last year, and their 67.4 points per game were the fewest they had conceded since 2013-14. Washington State beat UCLA, Oregon, and Oregon State 
all of which made it to at least the Sweet 16. Right now, Washington State is ranked 41st on Kempom, and NMSU is ranked 111th. So there's a substantial difference there according to Kempom's analytical measurements. Washington State should be able to roll NMSU. But I've got a theory on this, which is part of the reason I don't think the Aggies are going to get walloped against Washington State. So obviously, these Ken Palm rankings are worth something, or we wouldn't be discussing them, but I don't think they're everything, and let me pose this to you. What if overall Ken Palm rankings didn't really matter for the mid-major schools when they play a Power 6 opponent, and what if they really only mattered to the top 50-ish programs in the country? It sounds weird, but hear me out, and before I start, Gonzaga is not a mid-major. Ken Palm comes up with its rankings based on adjusted efficiency margins that it uses to determine how efficient a team actually is. And then it takes that and it ranks Division I teams 1 through 358, which should theoretically say how good you are. But outside of the top 50-ish teams, I don't think the overall Ken Palm rankings alone should be used to make predictions of individual games, especially when a lower-ranked mid-major like NMSU is taking on someone like Washington State, and here's why. Mid-major teams have almost no chance to beat Power 6 schools based on gross efficiency because they simply can't match the talent. Power 6 schools have better resources, better name, and better brand recognition, so they're naturally going to get more talented players. And those players are going to probably develop better than players at mid-majors do. That's why the overwhelming majority of NBA players come from Power 6 schools, because naturally, they have better players. And when you have better players, you naturally play way more efficiently. Your ball movement is better, your cuts are sharper, your communication offensively and defensively is better. You shoot better from the floor because because you're just outright talented. And I want to add that you look at the top 40 and maybe the top 50 teams on Ken Palm. There aren't very many teams on there that have a reputation of winning ugly. They win pretty because they have the raw talent to dominate you if you're a lesser school. Mid-major schools do not have these same resources. They do not have the talent that can match the talent the Power 6 schools have, and they're naturally going to have a harder time beating Power 6 schools more generally because they can't or won't match them based on pure efficiency alone. And here's what I mean. If NMSU played Duke or Baylor or UCLA or Gonzaga tomorrow and tried to beat those schools at their own game by being just as efficient as them, they would get absolutely demolished because there's little to no chance that they can beat one of those schools based on efficiency and talent alone. They will not beat those schools at their own game because these schools have mastered their own game. But that doesn't rule them out entirely because what you can do to give yourself a chance in these types of games is adopt an entirely different strategy that's based on things that might not be very analytically correct, but it gives you an advantage based on matchups. And it really is hard for mid-major teams to be defensively efficient without being offensively ugly. Washington State is another team that is extremely analytical, just like Baylor and Gonzaga and Villanova, because whether it's intentional or not, but it definitely is, all of those schools play very analytically fluid styles of basketball, and analytics are all about trying to find the most efficient way to do something more generally. So they go hand-in-hand with Ken Palm rankings. 
Now, mid-major schools can still beat other mid-major schools solely based on efficiency and talent because they have more pure talent than some other mid-major schools. You know, that's why NMSU is going to beat Chicago State in a couple of weeks. But they've got a mountain to climb to use that strategy to beat Power 6 schools that, generally speaking, have more resources available. So how do you beat these schools then? You have to adopt an approach that has some natural inefficiencies in it that can give the other team some kind of trouble. When Joe Golding was at Abilene Christian and he played Texas in the NCAA tournament, he walked into a game that he should have had absolutely no chance of winning when you considered Texas had three draft picks on their team and ACU was ranked 50 spots below Texas on Ken Palm, even though they actually had a higher defensive ranking. And his game plan wasn't necessarily built on analytics or efficiency, but it was to fly around and create a gross amount of turnovers, create some chaos, and see what happened, and it worked. When VCU went on that run when Shaka Smart was the head coach, they did something really, really similar when they ran that Havoc defense, and they used it to win a tournament game five straight years with Shaka. And their offensive approach was just kind of, yeah, we're going to play good defense, and offensively, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll do enough offensively. NMSU is going to have to have some inefficiencies against Washington State just because they're going to be hard put to beat Washington State at their own game. But I don't think they're out of the game before it starts by any means because objectively, I'm not sure how many people outside of Las Cruces understand just how much Chris Jans has won since he's been at NMSU and he's a very good coach who is really good at in-game adjustments and I thought that was evident the way they flipped the script after halftime against UNM last week so I really think they'll go into Pullman with a good game plan and I think they'll be competitive but I don't think you can fully predict that game solely off of Ken Palm rankings alone because they don't tell the full story those rankings are a little bit of a lot but not a lot of much they're worth something but they aren't the whole story especially for a game like NMSU and Washington State. All right, now I want to welcome on to the show a fan favorite who made his highly anticipated season debut against Loyola Marymount after missing the first nine games with a foot injury and one of a handful of players on this year's team who has actually played against Washington State and Kyle Smith. Clayton Henry, welcome to the show. Hey, what's up, everybody? So, Clayton, first I've got to ask, uh, how's your how's your foot? Um, obviously, you missed the first month of the season, and this is something you've been dealing with for a while. So, uh, how's your foot doing? Um, it's feeling better. It's not not uh, completely. I don't say it's completely back, but uh, it's feeling way better, and I'm able to do some on course up, obviously. And yeah, just working my way to get back to 100. percent well, that's definitely encouraging to hear that you're on the right track. Uh, how good did it feel to get back on the court Saturday for the first time this season? Uh, what kind of emotions were you feeling whenever you whenever you got back on the floor? Oh, it felt great. I mean, that's what I always wanted to do is just play uh, with my teammates and this new team and just uh, um, be a part of winning with, with this new squad. So it felt great, obviously. Physically, it didn't feel too great with my cardio and stuff, but I'll get that. I feel like I'll get that back over time. Yeah, it was just, it was a good, great experience just getting back and just knowing that uh, I'm making my way back to 100% and playing with this team. 
Yeah, so going off that a little bit, uh, Jan said after the game that it was clear that, you know, you didn't hop right in and you were just automatically right back to to being your old usual basketball self. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm curious, uh, you know, how close do you feel right now to being 100% again? You know, where do you feel like you are on that, uh, mm-hmm. on that timeline? Man, I, I think I'm real close. I think about after this little break we got, when we get back to conference for sure, I feel like conference will be back. I'll be, yeah, back in motion, playing with each, uh, with my team at 100%, I'm pretty sure. All right, well, that's definitely really good to hear. Um, so, uh, so yeah, obviously being out nine games to start the year, um, you know, it, that, that doesn't feel like that many games when you say it out loud, but you look up and it's almost a third of the schedule. Uh, and yeah. Jans has already kind of found a rotation that he seemed to really favor lately. Uh, but you're a guy who has obviously had a role um, in past years. So uh, so what do you see your role being on this team? And do you think it might be any different from years past? Because certainly you do have a role on this team, but uh, with such a huge roster turnover, I'm curious if you see it changing. Uh, of course, anything, like different team, different times, of course, anything can happen. But I just see myself just, uh, just doing what I do and just uh, finding those minutes where he needs me. I mean, I'm not. I'm I'm looking to just you know just uh, not really mess up anything. Just come in and do what I do and help out the team in any way I can. And if that means you know spare minutes right now, spare minutes. If it means more, it means more. So I'm just trying to do what I gotta do. So looking forward to your game against Washington State, you've, you're you're actually a little bit familiar with Kyle Smith and the way that his teams play. Uh, you were on that 2019 team that lost to them that lost to them in Spokane. Uh, so my question is, what was your last experience playing them like, and uh, what are you expecting to see whenever you play them tonight? Uh, my last experience when I seen them was they got pretty good players just individually like they do this year too. Um, and they were they were highly active on um, offense. I mean, I didn't really uh, get a feel for them on defense really. I don't really remember that honestly, but I just knew that they were a really good offensive team and uh, they they were a team like they they played as a team and stuff. So I'm just I'm knowing that they have a great uh, offensive system and. Our defense is going to be on point because I'm pretty sure they have. And I don't know, but I'm pretty sure they have a good offense efficiency or points per game. One of something that's high in the country. So I'm knowing that we need to, um, you know, uh, tighten up our defense and come in there knowing that we're on the road and be we got to be a little bit better on that. So Washington State and Kyle Smith, they, they sort of have this reputation of being really big on analytics and playing what they call nerd ball. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I want to know what the scouting report is on these guys and what is Jans emphasized to you guys in the film room? Uh, I mean, everything. The scouting report is everything. I mean, of course, personnel, but at the same time, you know, tightening up our defense. I mean, everything. I don't think we're we're elite at anything yet but um yeah he just emphasizes really just a team as overall just everything in general and we just got to tighten up on both ends because 
I don't think we both, as a team and as players, we don't think we're at an elite level at anything yet, even though from the outside in, it could look good through, through our record and stuff. But I feel like he just emphasizes everything. We just have a whole good team game and be eight points better on the road. So what do you see as the keys to beating Washington State? What does NMSU need to do to beat the Cougars? You know, like, what what are the bullet points? Okay. Um, I do know they are 26th in offensive rebounding, I'm pretty sure. So that's a, that's a big, that's a big key right there. So checking out, checking them, they have athletes at four and five, bigs. So I know that checking out is, would be a key for this game. And, um, you know, tightening up on our transition defense and and less turnovers, of course. We're at 26 last game, so less turnovers, taking care of the ball and checking out on the defensive end. I, I mean, we're in a pretty good spot if we do those things, I'm pretty sure. So I've got a, I've got another question for you that I feel comfortable asking you because you're a veteran and you've played a lot of college basketball. Uh, but it's obvious that we're in an era where more and more teams are really adopting an analytical approach to the game that they believe mm-hmm. is going to be mathematically correct. Um, mm-hmm. But there are still ways to beat analytics as an underdog just by adopting a game strategy that is going to give you know, a team that might be more talented, some fits, you know, it might cause them some problems. Um, Mm -hmm. So whenever you play a really good team whose strategy is to adopt a very analytical approach, how do you beat them Mm -hmm. in an individual game where they might actually have more talented players than you? You know, how do you play as that underdog? I mean, most of the times it's the stuff that's not on the analytics, like hustling and, Put in the effort before a post up. All the all those little things like that get into the ball, handiness, all those all them things that's not on the line of list usually is how you how you beat those things, to be honest, and be really great at those if there's a team that's actually that's way bet like has a big gap on you in those analytical aspects. So and I'm pretty sure we have we always emphasize those things as not on the analytics too, because we know that there'll be a game where the ball is not going to go through the rim, uh, through the net, or or something's going to be off. So them them usually them things that's not on the analytics are always there on the road or at home. So. Okay, so last but not least, you've been in Las Cruces a really long time, and I'm praying that you're going to give me a legitimate answer for this because I'm finding out very quickly that apparently your teammates' diets consist of a gross amount of fast food from chain restaurants. <laughs> but I want to ask you for your favorite restaurant in Las Cruces and your favorite dish to get there, and please don't break my heart on this. It's been broken so many times already this season by asking this question. Uh, I would say... I'd say Andales, probably. Andales in, in Messia? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Okay, I've Let's been say, uh, I've been there a couple of times. What do you like to get there? I like to get the. Uh, is it the green? I'm pretty sure the green chili enchilada. Is it the enchilada? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the enchilada. The green chili enchilada. Guys, we finally we finally have a legitimate answer. We finally <laughs> have a legitimate answer. That's not chilies. 
Five Guys or Chick-fil-A or Wingstop. <laughs> Clayton, dude, I think you might have just become my favorite player. Like, seriously, <laughs> man. Like, you, I think you just won some hearts over. Well, I've been there for a while, so they probably never tried it out. <laughs> Clayton, thanks for thanks for dropping by. You've been an awesome guest, and best of luck to you against Washington State. Thank you so much. All right, so it's time for our grand finale, the Way Out Wagner prediction. And normally I try to give a quick preview of the Aggies' next game, but since I just spent the entire podcast talking about Washington State, I'm going to jump right in with my prediction and say that I've got Washington State winning 67-60 to and snapping the Aggies' three-game winning streak. But it still means NMSU will have won three of its last four games on this road trip, so Aggie fans have to still feel pretty optimistic regardless. Folks, that's it for Season 1, Episode 6 of the Aggie Wagon Podcast. Again, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. As always, be sure to leave a like if you enjoy the podcast. You can follow the Las Cruces Sun News' NMSU basketball coverage on our website. And you can follow me on Twitter, at StephenWag22. That's Stephen with a PH. So until next time, I'll bid you folks farewell and happy trails.